Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, please turn to John chapter 19, verse number 30. John chapter 19, verse number 30. As you're turning there, let me remind you that two weeks from today is Easter. Two weeks from today is Easter. I like to call it Resurrection Sunday. And uh, I'd also like to remind you that according to the latest statistics I read, 85% of church members never invite anybody to come to church. 85%. Also, on the other side of that statistic, 90% of people would come to church if somebody they knew invited them. So I want to give you a project, okay? Two weeks till Easter. I want you to find somebody, and I don't want you to find somebody that goes to church, okay? I'm not interested in sheep stealing or sheep uh, relocating. What I'm interested in is somebody that doesn't know the Lord or doesn't go to church. And I am just guessing that everybody in here knows somebody that fits that description. I want you to make it your plan to pray for them, to talk to them, to invite them, and see what the Lord can do. If we are willing to be obedient, you find somebody that you can invite that doesn't go to church, that doesn't know the Lord, to come on Easter. One of the most likely Sundays out of all the years that people will come to church. So maybe you can make that a goal. I pray you will anyway. John chapter 19, verse 30, we're going to almost have one more Sunday to conclude this uh, series on famous last words. This morning we're going to talk about famous last words on finishing well. Famous last words on finishing well. Lucy and Charlie Brown are having a a discussion and Lucy says, uh, tells Charlie Brown, says, I'm thinking of starting a new hobby Starting a new hobby. And Charlie Brown says, well, that's a good idea, Lucy. The people who get the most out of life are those who really try to accomplish something. And she says, accomplish something? I thought I was just supposed to keep busy. We do keep busy, don't we? We we have calendars that are full of appointments. We have places to go, things to do, people to see. If you work, you might be one of those that spend a lot of uh, time making overtime. And if you don't work, if you don't have an outside job, you always find plenty to do in the house. If you've got a garden, there's plenty of uh, weeding, planting, harvesting needs to be done. Have you noticed that even people when they go on vacation are constantly rushing around? Rushing from here to there, driving from here to there, trying to squeeze in as much as possible? Let me ask you this question. You ever ask yourself, what am I accomplishing? What am I trying to do? What's the point? Paying the bills, you're keeping food on the table, you're hanging on to your creature comforts. Is that what life's all about? Is it just about surviving and enjoying this short ride until it's over? Is Lucy right? Is is life really just about staying busy? Or is there a goal? Is there a purpose? Is there a finish line to where you can cross and say, I have accomplished what I set out to do? Or better yet, can you say with one man who once said, I have finished. He looked to God, he says, I have finished the work 
that you gave me to do. How can you be sure that you will finish well? We're going to answer that question by asking it from one man who did it. One man leaves us some famous last words about how to finish well. I want us to hear him speak this morning from John chapter 19 and verse number 30. Would you please stand with me in honor of our Lord and his precious word? And let's read this one verse of scripture from John chapter 19 and verse number 30. Hear the word of God. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Let's pray. Jesus, every one of us here are running a race whether we realize it or not. And uh, some of us have been running this race longer than others, but none of us know how near we are to the finish line. And Lord, I can't help but think when I think about finishing well of my friend who once said there's only two reasons that we die. We die either because we finish what God gave us to do or we die because we run out of time. And I pray today that as we hear the words of Jesus from the cross, that we will not run out of time. That every one of us here will not just spend our lives being busy. We will spend our lives that we may finish it well. That we may finish it to accomplish not just our goals, but your purpose. We may fulfill not only our desires, but your plan. And Lord, the preaching of your word is, is how you remind us of the truths that you have for our hearts. And Lord, you have something to say to the people, not the people that are everywhere else, but the people are here this morning. And I want to pray that you will drive home those truths to their hearts. And you would help them to see what you want them to do and then to do it. We love you today and we thank you for your precious word. Help us hear and obey in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As my son say, back in the day, there was a television program called Mission Impossible. And every episode began with uh, outlining this assignment for this elite group of government operatives. These guys never got the easy projects, hence the name Mission Impossible. What used to bug me was at the end of each and every hour, they always accomplished their mission. I had to ask myself, was it really that impossible? If it only took you an hour to finish it, you know, it must not have been that impossible. Well, Jesus is on what you might call an impossible mission. The Bible does not say Jesus was just born. The Bible says Jesus was sent. In John 4, 34, he says, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. 
And here at the end, he cries out, it is finished. Everybody look up here. He does not say, I am finished. He's not lamenting his death. He's not admitting failure. He says, it is finished. In Greek, it's one word, tetelestai. It is finished, it stands finished, and it always will be finished. Jesus accomplishes what he is sent to do. He accomplishes his mission impossible. And he doesn't just finish. He finishes well. What does he accomplish? How does he finish well? And how does his finishing well connect to your finishing well? Well, let's look back over exactly what his mission is. What is Jesus' mission? Well, to begin with, his mission is to reveal the Father. His mission is to reveal the Father. Maybe you remember the story. I like to tell it ever so often about the Sunday school teacher. She's looking over her kids. They're drawing pictures. And this sees this one little boy drawing a picture. says, what are you drawing, uh, Tommy? He says, I'm drawing God. And she says, well, Tommy, you know, nobody knows what God looks like. He says, well, they will when I get through. Within the heart of each one of us is this deep desire to know not just what God looks like, but who God is, to know him personally. We want to know him the way a child knows their earthly father. Jesus' impossible mission is to reveal God to us that way. In Matthew eleven twenty seven, 27, Jesus says, No one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. Jesus Christ reveals God to us. He translates God into a language that we can understand. He is God in a human body. He is God with a human face. He is God with a human mind and human feelings. He he reveals God to us in a way that we can understand. He once told one of his disciples, his disciples said, well, show us the Father, show us God. He says, Philip, have I been so long with you? He who has seen me has seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen God. He reveals to us the heart of God, the mind of God, the compassion of God, the power of God, the wrath of God, and the holiness of God. And when he says it is finished, what he means is, I have completely revealed everything you need to know to have that kind of relationship with God. He has revealed him completely. Because Jesus finishes well, you and I can know God as he really is. Another way Jesus works this mission out, his mission is to seek and to save the lost. A lot of of people misunderstand Jesus. When he first came, and people still have this idea, he came to pat good people on the back. Keep up the good work. God really appreciates what you're doing. People think, you know, that's why he would come down to earth for good people. And then Jesus starts hanging around drunkards. And he starts hanging around prostitutes and tax collectors. A lot of people say, why? Why are you around these, these terrible people all the time, these sinners all the time? And Jesus says, you know, I'm not sent to people who think they're well. 
I was sent to people that know they're sick. I wasn't sent for good folks. I was sent to sinners. Matthew 18, 11, he says, the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. You say, well, does he really care about righteous people? No, that's not that he doesn't care about righteous people. This is what he's saying. There are no righteous people. No, not one. There are no righteous people. He said, I came to seek sinners because we are all sinners. I come to call sinners to repentance. I came to die for sinners. Jesus gives his life so that your sins can be wiped away so you can start over. So you can find a righteousness through faith in him. The Bible says that on the cross, Jesus drank the cup of God's wrath dry. That that veil in the temple that separated God's presence from everybody else, Jesus rips it in half, tears it apart. He pays the ransom for each and every one of us. Before Jesus came, the only way for sins to be atoned for was by the sacrifice of an animal. But when he cries out, it is finished, he makes a new way for lost people to be found. Hebrews 9, 12 says, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he enters the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Because he completes his mission, you and I who were once eternally lost can be forever found. Jesus is sent to reveal God to us. He is sent to save, to seek and to save the lost. And finally, his mission is to lead us in our living. His mission is to lead us in our living. If I were to ask you, what's the most common command that Jesus gives in the Bible? What's the most common invitation he gives? You say, well, it must be believe in me. It must be believe. Can I tell you, that's not the most common command he gave in the Bible. You know the most common command? When Jesus would speak to people and they'd say, what do we need to do? Or they'd give him some indication that they were interested in him. You know what he'd say? He wouldn't just say believe in him. That is important. Anybody remember what it was? Follow me. What did he say? Follow me. That's what he told his disciples. Follow me. That's what he told the rich young ruler. Follow me. Each person that came to him, the most common thing he would say to him was not believe in me. That is important. That is necessary. But the most common thing he said was follow me. What he's saying is this. If you believe in me, you will follow me. If you truly believe in me, you will follow me. Well, what does it mean to believe in Jesus? Well, it's not about wearing a beard. Because if it was, I'd be in trouble. It took me 56 years to get what I've got here. And this just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. I don't know why. It's not about wearing a robe. It's not about getting baptized in the Jordan River. Let me tell you something else. It's not about, it's not, it's not about walking around with a solemn manner. Some people, you know, if they wanted to pick out the one person to, Portray Jesus would be Vincent Price. Oh, my children. They act like he never smiled, he never laughed. Some of us forget that a lot of the parables that Jesus told, people would have laughed when they first heard him. You talk about a camel going through the eye of a needle, people thought that was hilarious. He, he was not one of these people that was, you know, 
One way I know that, okay, this is free. This is free. One way I know that is because kids loved it. But tell you what, if you walk around like this all the time, you're not going to get a lot of kids come up to you. They loved being around you. He was a man that knew how to laugh. He was a man of sorrows. I don't want to, I don't want to diminish that a bit. But he was a human being. Then it's not about any of that. Following Jesus means to obey him. It means to make him your model for how you live your life. It means to live your life by following his teachings. That's what the Bible means in 1 John 2 and 6. It says, he who abides in him, who lives in him, who follows him, ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Professor Tony Merida writes, when Jesus says, come follow me, he isn't calling us to offer a class or start a program. He's calling us to follow his way of life. What is his way of life? Look back up at the screen behind me. Luke chapter 9. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You, you follow Jesus when you deny yourself. You deny your own way of thinking. You take up your cross. You embrace God's will for your life, including the suffering. You follow his way of thinking, his way of talking, his way of behaving. You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You preach the gospel. You pray, you love your neighbor, you forgive your enemies, you store up treasures in heaven, you expect to be persecuted, you soak up God's word, you resist temptation, you worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. He, he shows us how to live this way. And then he says, I'm not just going to show you how to do it, I'm going to empower you to do it. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to enable you to live this way. I can tell you one thing for absolute certain. Jesus does not die on the cross for you to just live your life the best way you know how. He dies on the cross to, live, to show you how to live your life to the fullest. And it's only when you live your life to the fullest that you will finish well. Well, that's Jesus' mission. That's what he finishes as he dies on the cross. To telestai, it is finished, it stands finished, it always will be finished. An evangelist holds a service one night. And just as the evangelist is about to leave, this young man walks up to the evangelist. He said, mister, I've got to know, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? And the evangelist says, uh, sorry, son, but you're too late. He says, no, no, you can't say that. You can't say that. You can't say, how can you say it's too late? He said, well, son, you want to know what you must do to be saved, but I'm telling you that it's too late now or any other time. Work of salvation is done, completed and finished. It was finished by Christ on the cross. Now, what he's saying is Jesus finished his mission. When he revealed God to us, he revealed everything we need to know about God to know him as a child knows a father. When he paid for the ransom of our sins, he didn't just pay for most of them or almost all of them. He paid for all of them. When he showed us what following him, how following him is the key to living life to the fullest, 
He showed us completely. He, he completely finished His mission. Here's the thing. You still have to finish your mission. And your mission is not to duplicate His mission. Your mission is to respond to His mission. Jesus' mission is to reveal God. Your mission is to know God. Knowing God, for some people you ask them, do you know God? Oh, yes, I know God. You know Jesus? Oh, yes, I know Jesus. What they're telling you is, I know some facts about God. Some of them might be true. Some of them might not be true. I know some facts about Jesus. I used to go to Sunday school when I was five or six, and I learned all the stories. That's what they're telling you. That is not knowing God. That is knowing about God. A lot of people that know about God there are a lot of people that know about Jennifer Cruz. But I know Jennifer Cruz. There's a difference between knowing about God and knowing Him as your Father, having that relationship. Why don't people know God that way? My suspicion is this. Jesus said you have to come as a child. That means you come to God and realize He's your Father. And you're his child. To some, some folks, that sounds humiliating. You say, well, if God's my father, that means he provides for me. That means he protects me. Yeah, that's what it means, but it also means he corrects you. When my children were growing up. I wanted them to know their daddy loved them. Their daddy loved them. Their daddy would do anything in the world to make sure they have what they need. But when necessary... Let's be politically incorrect here. I would tear them up if they got out of line. Now, no, listen here. You better not spank them, but I, I was going to tear them up because I was their father. A lot of people, <laughs> when Jesus says, I, I want you to know your father, I want you to depend on him, I want you to trust him, I want you to love him, I want you to obey him. What people say is, I, they don't want a father. You know what they want? They want a grandfather in heaven. Now all you grandfathers know what I'm talking about. You spoil those youngins. You spoil those grandbabies. I know sometimes I tell my children the same thing Bill Cosby told his. That's not, I tell about my daddy. That's not the man I grew up with. He's giving out money right and left. He's taking them to Dairy Queen and McDonald's and we never went out to eat. That's what we want. We want a grandfather in heaven that, oh yeah, we want you to just have a great time. We, no spankings, no discipline, no nothing. That's what we want. Jesus says, I didn't come to reveal a grandfather in heaven. I came to reveal your father. Your father. And Jesus says, I'm the only way you'll know him. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one no one, no Muslim, no Buddhist, no atheist, no secularist, nobody comes to the Father except through Him. The only way to finish well is to know God as Jesus reveals Him. Jesus' mission is to seek and save the lost. Your mission is to come to Christ. And the first step in that mission is sometimes the hardest for a lot of folks. Because what you've got to do is you've got to come to Jesus and admit, I'm a sinner. 
Now, what a lot of folks want to say is, well, everybody's a sinner. Yeah, everybody's a sinner. But coming to Jesus doesn't mean you're thinking about everybody else. Coming to Jesus means I'm pointing the finger at myself. I'm a sinner. And I haven't accidentally slipped up. And I haven't just made a few mistakes. I have deliberately disobeyed God. I deserve the wrath of God. That's what being a sinner means. And when you come to Jesus, you don't get any further till you get to that point. You've got to understand you're a sinner. And after that, you've got to understand that you can't save yourself. Well, I'm a sinner, okay? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to come to church from now on. And every time the plates pass, I'm going to throw some money in. And every time, uh, you know, every night before I go to bed, I'm going to read a chapter of the Bible. All those things are great things. But you cannot earn your way to heaven. You cannot earn your way to God's forgiveness. When you come to to Christ, you don't come with anything else in your hands. You come empty-handed because you have nothing to give Him. John MacArthur puts it this way. When you meet Christ... You either drop all the stuff you've been counting on for your salvation and you trust Christ alone or you hold on to all the stuff you've been holding on to your your salvation and you reject Christ. Those are your two options. Coming to him is a choice. Nobody who comes to Jesus to be saved is turned away. But nobody who refuses to come is forced. In 1830, there was a man named George Wilson convicted of robbing the United States mail sentenced to be hanged. President Andrew Jackson issues a pardon for George Wilson. And George Wilson refuses it. Case is taken all the way to the Supreme Court where Chief Justice Marshall issues a ruling. This is what he says. A pardon is a slip of paper, the value of which is determined by the acceptance of the person to be pardoned. If it is refused, it is no pardon. George Wilson must be hanged. There are a lot of people that would rather keep wandering in the wilderness than come to the shepherd. Jesus finished his mission. Finishing your mission means you have to come to Jesus. Jesus' mission is to lead your living. Your mission is to follow him. That means you have to unlearn your way of living. You have to relearn his way. You have to obey Him. You have to trust Him with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and let Him direct your paths. It takes a constant surrender. It takes a lot of practice. And some people, I'm just not going to do that. They'd rather run with the wolves than follow the shepherd. But walking His way is the only way to finish well. Your mission is to know him, to come to him, and to follow him. That's what makes the difference between finishing well and finishing as a failure. John Bingham was a man known for running marathons. He didn't start running until he was 40 or 50 years old. A lot of people wanted to know what the secret to running and making it to the end of the marathon was. This is what he said. As I stand at the starting line, 
I know that somewhere out there is a finish line. There was a finish line for Jesus. When he crosses that line, he says, it is finished. It wasn't the end of his life. We know that he was buried and three days later rose again, eventually went back to heaven. But this moment signals his accomplishment of his mission. You will reach a finish line. Don't know when it's going to be. You say, well, I haven't been on this path very long. Well, you know, that's no indication of when you're going to reach the finish line. And some people say, well, you know, I've been running this race a long time. Well, it's still not any indication of when you're going to reach the finish line. I can't tell you when you're going to reach it. I can tell you this. It's probably going to happen sooner than you think. When you reach the finish line, it will not be the end of you. You will either finish well or you will finish a failure. You will either enter the presence of Jesus or you will be forever separated from him. Right now is your chance to take advantage and respond to Jesus' mission. Right now is your chance to know God. To come to Jesus. To follow his leading right now. At this moment, you have an opportunity to make sure that you finish well. Would you bow your heads with me?